Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to another episode of Miss Whitman Civics and Economics. Last week, we started off our brand new unit looking at the legislative branch and how it not only makes laws for our nation, but it also has other functions, which include, um, but not limited to, declaring war, approving annual budgets. Uh, we ended off last week also looking at how bills become law, how um, they are introduced by senators and representatives. They then debate it on the floor and eventually it'll go to the president's desk where it is either signed or vetoed. But one of the things that we did not take a look at last week is how does the legislative branch operate? Um, who makes up the legislative branch? What do they do? And what are their term limits? This week, we're going to take a look at that. And if we look here at our screen, uh, the makeup of the legislative branch, don't forget, Congress is bicameral, meaning it has two parts or two houses. Um, so Congress is actually made up of the House of Representatives and the U.S. Senate. We're going to take a look at both of those today. Um, taking a look at the smaller half, the U.S. Senate, that is, um, this represents or each state is represented by equal representation, meaning there's two members per state, which gives us our 100 members total. So the U.S. Senate is made up of 100 members. Um, it is based on equal representation because there's two senators per state. So if you do two times 50, you get your 100 members there. The term limit for senators is six years. And you do want to make sure you write down all of these facts on term limits, um, how many members there are, who's in charge of each slide. So there are six, there are term limits in the Senate. Um, it's six year term limits, but you are able to serve multiple times in a row. So if you serve for six years and get reelected, um, there's a chance that you can serve for a total of 12 and so on and so on as long as you get reelected. But their um, election or their term is up every six years. The leaders of the Senate are the vice president and president pro tempore. So the vice president is in charge, but if they aren't available um, to actually conduct Senate um, meetings, then it goes to the most senior member of the Senate, which in this case will be the president pro tempore. Um, so you actually have two leaders depending on if the vice president is present um, of the Senate itself. So vice president is the first leader of the Senate, but if they aren't able to um, attend for whatever reason, maybe they're off doing other um, supporting other candidates, whatever it may be, it then goes to the most senior member of the Senate, which is the president pro tempore. Some other facts about um, Senate and how to be considered and run for senators. You must be at least 30 years old. Okay, you have to be at least 30. You have to be a U.S. citizen for at least nine years, and you must live in the state you represent. So if you want to become a senator for the state of Virginia, um, you have to follow all these requirements, but you must live in the state of Virginia in order to represent them in the U.S. Senate. Okay, so some things to make sure that you have written down in your notes. Once again, there are 100 members total. Um, it's based on equal representation for the U.S. Senate. Turn limits for the Senate are six years, and you can serve multiple times in a row. The leaders of the Senate are the vice president and president pro tempore if the vice president is not available. And other requirements or qualifications be considered. A U.S. Senator is, um, you must be at least 30 years old. You have to be a U.S. citizen for nine years, and you have to live in the state you represent. So all of that is only one half of our bicameral system. So taking a look at the other half of our uh, U.S. Senate or U.S. Congress, we have to take a look at the House of Representatives. 
Um, so just so you guys know, your vice president of the United States and then therefore the leader of the U.S. Senate is Kamala Harris. And then your president pro tempor is Patrick Leary. There's faces and names for you guys. And then um, the next part here is going to talk about the U.S. or House of Representatives. So the House of Representatives um, is a little different, has a little bit of uh, different kind of qualifications, if you will, to become a House of Representatives. But um, first and foremost, the number is what's kind of going to be a big difference. There are a total of 435 members in the House of Representatives, so a very large uh, group of people. Uh, this is based on the states. This number is based on the state's representation or population, so states with larger populations like California are going to have more House uh, members than states, small states like Delaware or Rhode Island. Um, so this is why that number varies, why it's really so large. There's 435 total members of the House of Representatives. These um, House members serve for only two years at a time, um, so really not too much of a time uh, to get a lot of bills or kind of things that they want passed. So multiple times we'll see that um, House members serve for multiple terms because they want to make a larger impact. So you can serve multiple terms as long as you get reelected every two years. Uh, the leader of the House is Speaker of the House. So the leader of the House is going to be your Speaker of the House. Um, they mostly are picked from the majority party. The age requirement to be a House member is 25 years old. You have to be a U.S. citizen for at least seven years, and then you have to live in the state that you represent. So that one's kind of the same um, as senators there, that you have to, the idea that you have to live in the state that you want to represent in Congress. So some key information um, to kind of pull from this slide, your second half of this bicameral system is there's 435 members of the House of Representatives, and this large number is uh, based on the state's population. So larger states with higher populations have more House members representing them. House representatives serve for only two years at a time, but can serve for multiple terms. And most um, House members do serve multiple terms in a row as long as they're reelected. The leader of the House is the Speaker of the House. This um, most of the time is from the majority party. So if the majority of that 435 um, members is, say, Democrat, then you're more likely to have a Democratic speaker and vice versa. If the majority party is Republican, you're more likely to have a Republican speaker, but that doesn't always um, necessarily happen. And then some qualifications to become um, a House member is you have to be at least 25 years old. You have to be a U.S. citizen for seven years, and then you must live in the state you want to represent. And don't forget, at any point, you can fast forward or pause these videos if you're still writing down this key information. So here's um, your current Speaker of the House, Nancy Pelosi. She is the most senior member of the House, has been there the longest. Um, she presides over the debates, and then she makes rulings, orders, agenda, and so on. But she is your current Speaker of the House, Leader of the House of Representatives. Okay, moving away from um, the makeup of the legislative branch, we have to take a look at what power um, can these representatives, can these senators actually hold, or what powers are given to the legislative branch as um, a whole entire unity kind of entity. So there's two different types of powers. 
that the legislative branch has. Um, one is going to be the express powers and one's going to be known as implied powers. We'll start with the express powers first. So express powers are listed specifically in the Constitution. So if you were going to look up, um, you know, what power does the legislative branch have or what power does Congress have, um, express powers you will find word for word in the Constitution. Okay, you can find them by simply looking up Article 1. Remember, that's the article that sets up the legislative branch and looking through all the subsequent um, sections, and you'll find these express powers. Some of the express powers, and you want to pick at least four out of the ones that you see here on the list um, to know for a test or a quiz, include collect taxes. So Congress is in charge of collecting taxes. Congress is in charge of printing and coining money. Um, so the fact that Congress is in charge not only of collecting taxes and uh, making annual budgets, but they are in charge of printing and coining the money used for those budgets and collecting taxes. Um, Congress can declare war. That came from earlier on in this unit that you learned, so hopefully that's a review. Some other things Congress is in charge of is establishing post offices and roads. Um, so the U.S. Post Office is in fact a power and overseen by Congress, overseen by the legislative branch. Congress can regulate interstate and foreign trade. Again, that has to deal with money and expenses. So Congress usually um, is the one that has that power. And last but not least, Congress um, is in charge or the express power that Congress has um, to create and maintain a military. And this usually comes with the annual budgets and how much money it is given to our branches, um, our armed service, armed branches, um, so that they can create, be able to maintain and um, create a safe environment for everybody to live in. So these are just some examples of express powers. Um, again, these are listed in the Constitution in Article 1. Um, if you look these up in the Constitution, you will see them word for word. So you want to know at least three or four of the ones listed here. Um, you can pick collect taxes, declare war, regulate foreign trade. Some of them are going to be very similar to the functions of the legislative branch um, with a slide earlier that you saw here. Okay, so implied powers, the second type of power that the legislative branch has, um, is going to be a little bit different. So implied powers um, first are used to carry out different um, functions that the legislative branch might kind of come up and problems that they might come up and face. So these um, powers are going to be implied, meaning they are not listed in the Constitution, but they um, are implied and used in order for Congress to operate smoothly, in order for the government to operate smoothly. So the last clause of the Constitution says, um, that Congress has the power to make, quote, all laws deemed necessary and proper to execute the carrying out of any other powers they have. So that's a really important phrase, this necessary and proper clause, or sometimes it's known as the elastic clause, because it gives um, Congress a leeway, if you will, of what powers, if they deem necessary to help out um, to help kind of carry out other laws or to help out the nation, they are able to gain those powers. Um, so implied means that if we need it later on, then um, Congress essentially can determine if they are able to add powers to their list. So again, that's called the necessary and proper clause or the elastic clause of the Constitution, allowing Congress um, these implied powers, these powers to be added later on 
um, for mostly the purpose of carrying out other laws in um, the nation. So if, it, if Congress deems it necessary that they add more powers to their list um, in order to fulfill other responsibilities, they are able to do that thanks to this necessary, proper, and elastic clause. A way to remember that this clause, um, especially the elastic clause part, is if you think about how elastic is kind of stretchy and it gives, um, if you need more room to kind of grow, then um, same thing happens with Congress. If Congress deems that they need more powers in order to grow as a nation, they are given that. That's an implied power. So they're not listed in the Constitution, um, but it is a, a function of the branch to deem if they need more powers are able to do so as long as it's helping the nation, as long as it's helping um, other laws kind of being fulfilled. Okay, and this um, last section here does say that powers denied to Congress, so if um, these certain powers aren't given to Congress, that means that they are um, not only limited by the Constitution, but oftentimes are given to the state. So if powers, um, for example, education isn't a power given to the federal government, it's not listed in the Constitution, um, so it's not an express power, it's not something that is covered under the implied powers, it is actually given to the state. Um, so the states are the ones that focus on certain powers. Um, it does limit the powers that Constitution has, um, the powers that Congress really has as well. Okay, so that's going to bring us, believe it or not, to the end of our first kind of half of the branches. Um, we've learned the, the functions of the legislative branch, the makeup of the legislative branch. Um, it's made up of the House and the Senate. Uh, the qualifications become senator, qualifications become House member and all of the functions and responsibilities that Congress has um, at this federal level, that the level that um, everybody has to follow for the United States and the lawmaking process that it makes up. So we're gonna end here for our notes. Again, please make sure if you need to go back to write down any um, facts about the makeup of the legislative branch or who the leaders of the branches are, please, please do so. Um, answer any questions that popped up in the Ed Puzzle. And if you need help with anything, please put your question in the chat or email me directly. Otherwise, please start reviewing your notes. You're going to be having a quiz here in the next week or so. Um, so review your notes, make flashcards, study um, them over the next couple of days, and we'll be back to review. That's going to bring an end to this episode of Miss Whitman's Civics and Economics.